You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and joining me today for a special Tuesday mailbag episode of the show is my co-host, Curtis. And yeah, this is a Tuesday mailbag episode, not our usual off-season mailbag Monday, because I didn't get in from the NCAA tennis tournament until late Monday night, and of course, I wanted to record a bonus Sweet 16 recap episode after both our teams punched their tickets to the Elite Eight later this week, so obviously that pushed this episode back a day, and this is going to be a little bit of an abbreviated episode today. We were able to carve out about half an hour, so we'll get to as many questions as we possibly can. And then I'll be back on Thursday with another Theme Scheme Month episode. But we are a little short on time today, so let's kick things off. And we're actually going to start with the Hoops team today. I know we don't do that all that often, but today that's where we're starting. I know we are about, what, about a week late getting into this, but I wanted to wait to cover this until we could get Curtis on the show because I knew, I knew, he would have a strong take on this. Curse, I know you've got your, your gun loaded and ready to fire here today talking about Tom Green, this basketball program. But and I guess in, in case you missed it, if you're living under a rock, with last week's announcement that Katie Johnson, the last remaining member of Curtis, what you and I had anointed as, as I guess, our big three here, if there is such thing as a big three in Georgia basketball, of Tamani Kamara, Severe Wheeler, and Katie Johnson. Katie was that lone holdout we thought we we're gonna be able to keep him but yeah that's not gonna happen he has decided to enter the transfer portal by my count and i could be wrong here but going back and counting since december that makes nine transfers since the end of the 2020 calendar year so we've got jaquan walton was the first one ty fagan kamara wheeler kyer starks kd now andrew garcia christian brown that's nine guys right and that's four out of five starters you know, the lone starter from last year that's still right now on the team, we'll see how that how that plays out, is P.J. Horn. And uh, that's all but one player that averaged double-digit minutes for us last year. So there's attrition, and then there's whatever this is. Like, calling this attrition isn't close to strong enough. This is almost a 100% roster turnover. I mean, new coaches who come in and gut a roster don't even have this type of turnover. So – understandably, Andrew and Drill Dog, we had actually a lot of questions about this, but I just picked two to go with today because they were maybe the strongest worded. 
Andrew and Drew Dog had some very pointed questions regarding the basketball program. We're starting with Andrew. Andrew says, or asked, now can it be time for Tom Crean to go? This is embarrassing. Then Drew Dog followed that up and asked, what the literal insert whatever four-letter word you want to is going on with the Georgia basketball program. So, Curtis, I'm going to let you start us off here, man. Let you take this from the top. What's going on here? Is it time for Tom Crean to go? What, what, what are we doing from a basketball standpoint? Um, It looks like it's a pure revolt against Tom Crean in general. Like, players don't want to play for him. I think that's the feeling it's getting, um, that just he's uh, he's not connecting with these kids or he's running them off. I don't know what it is, but either the long story short is no one wants to play for him, especially guys who have, had, who have played for him. And I think it's too late to fire him at this point. I mean, all the guys yeah. have been hired. Who are you going to hire at this point? Um, everyone has made their move, and we waited too long. That's the thing, man. Like, okay, like, I'm just going to come out here and say this. Like, I, I wouldn't say that I have defended Tom Crean. I don't think that is a fair characterization of what I've done. But before this unprecedented deluge of players leaving the program and the roster turnover like we've never seen before – what I, what I had said leading up to, to this the past couple months was I wasn't necessarily opposed to giving him a fourth year to see could he like maybe kick down the NCAA tournament door because we had seen we had seen steady improvement. We hadn't seen high-level basketball to be certain, but we had at least seen progress, like I guess you call it that. And based on his track record, that steady progress eventually around year four or five exploded into championship level success. Now, I know Georgia, the Georgia job is a different job. And like I said earlier in the year, I would have been okay if we fired him back in January. I would have, or not, I'm sorry, back in March. I would have been fine with that. But I also was kind of fine with this, just letting him have one more year and, and see where it goes. But man, like, come on, like, you can't not be concerned about what is going on right now. And yes, I know around the college basketball landscape, and I've said this before, but yeah, attrition has become the rule now. That's true. Everyone faces it. But Curtis, have you seen, have you ever seen anything like this, like at this level? No, I mean, at Carolina, you saw the big stink over, you know, Walker Kessler leaving. Every school has faced guys entering the portal. Like some of these writers, like, look at all these guys in the portal, blah, blah, blah. The fact of the matter is, not every single player from last year is under the portal like we're seeing at Georgia practically. And here's a distinction. Like I, I'll use Florida example. I think Florida, the last time I checked the number as of right now, unless some guys come back, you know, they, they can declare for the draft, but they don't hire an agent, they can come back. But right now they, they have seven guys they lost off of last year's team. Okay, Texas A&M, similar thing. But if you look at Florida, a lot of those guys that left, yeah, there were some transfers out, but a number of those guys – decide they wanted to go pro. Like, that's a different story, right? Like, that's not necessarily an indictment on the coach. These guys have dreams of being in the NBA. Not one of the guys that has left our program, Curtis, has declared for the NBA draft. They've all simply transferred out. And that has to be concerning. I've never seen anything like that where you have nine players. Guys, by the way, we have 13 roster scholarship spots on, on, the, or scholarship spots on the roster. Nine of them have left. And they've transferred out, not gone pro, not declared for the NBA draft. They just simply transferred out and said, I'll take my talents as elsewhere. I mean, like I sound like I call this again, call this attrition. Like that doesn't it doesn't come close to doing it justice. Like I was thinking about this today. I think it's like someone, like someone who witnessed another car get into a head-on collision with like a diesel tanker, and that person goes home and, and tells his wife, Hey honey, guess what I saw? I saw a little fender bender on my way home. Like the term doesn't really fit the reality of what he just saw. And, and like the term attrition doesn't really fit the reality of what we're actually witnessing right now. It's just, it's beyond that. Like, and you're right, Curtis. I think something clearly has to be wrong here. I, I don't know if I can sit here and tell you, I know exactly what's going on, 
but something isn't right. Like we we're all smart to see that whether it's a personality conflict or or whatever. Like you don't want to like you don't want to put every transfer on the coach most of the time. Sometimes guys just want more playing time. They want to play for a contender, whatever it might be. But again, when you have nine guys transfer out of those thirteen scholarship spots and not one of them turn pro, Curtis, what is the common denominator here? Tom Crean. It's Tom Crean, right? And like, and I I can't sit here and deny that. I can't. I, I cannot. And look, I do actually have some contacts around the basketball program. Um, and they were pretty stunned by the KD departure. Like, they didn't really see that one coming. That one kind of caught them off guard. I guess you kind of get that from Tom Crean's response to KD, like the, the statement he put out in response to KD's decision to, to enter the transfer portal. By the way, what did you make of Tom Crean's response to KD? Um, I think it, I don't think he handled it well. I think it is to the point where he's frustrated that his players are leaving at the fact that probably the entire fan base completely doubts him. Well, he knows this is a make or break year. Like you can't like he, he can't not know that. Like I know these coaches like they're good at like living in their bubble, sure, but like, like he he has to hear that noise. He has to understand. He's smart to understand like this. Like he's he's been around college basketball for a while. Like he, this is a must win year for him. And now basically all these guys. And let's be real. So what's what's happening is they're abandoning ship. It's kind of a mutiny. Like, it's really what's happening. It's like a basketball ro- roster mutiny. And you know he's feeling the pressure. You're right. The frustration is a good word there. I mean, I don't I don't know if I'm going to say he's losing it, but it, you kind of got that feeling when you saw that that statement, right? Yeah. It, it just kind of made me upset with the entire program at that point, seeing the statement. Just like um, – Yeah. The- who did, and by the way, how many layers did that have to go through? Did, the, did our SID not see that? Did, did they approve that? Yeah, that's the problem too. And – it's or just all Tom around. Just go bad. rogue there. We look like a spurn lover now at this point. Like it's actually, it's at, like it's almost like I just feel like just put us out of our misery. And look, we don't have all the behind the scenes thing. Like I really like going back to the context I have on the basketball program. I they were stunned. They I, I really couldn't get much out of them on on the KD thing. It was kind of like that's like a, a no talk about like a, just hey it's like a rule like, don't talk about KD right now. So I don't know what's going on there, but what I can tell you is like I've been told in the past, like from day one, like when you know talking about Tom Green first with the job is that he's just a strange dude. He's a different guy. I, I've I've gotten that consistently from people I know around the basketball program, people that know people around the basketball program. Anyone that and, would and make, tr- anyone who marry into the Harbaugh family's got to be different. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, man. I, absolutely. Like I think there's something to that. Like I really do. He's just, he's just a different dude. Um, and that doesn't mean bad. He's just different. And it's strange because he has connected with players in the past. Like like Dwayne Wade famously has a great relationship with Tom Green. He loves Tom Green. That's great. It's awesome. But maybe the modern player is different. I don't know. It's really a, it's a strange situation because like you like again, I don't know all the dynamics that are going on behind the scenes. I'm not going to pretend that I do. But again, when you have nine guys transfer out in one season, one off season, and none of them go pro. You can't sit here and not think that there's got to be something on going on there from a personality standpoint, some sort of personality conflict. And it's not just one guy. So you're right, Kurt. Like we said, the common denominator here seems to be Tom Crean. So, like going back to what Andrew asked, like is now is it now the time for Tom Crean to go? My answer would be kind of what you said, Curse. I think right now Tom Crean. You can absolutely, I would say Tom Crean at this point, based off what we're seeing with our program, probably deserves to be fired. Right? Deserves yeah, to be fired. Josh Brooks sat on his hands too long. Yeah, exactly. Like he, like if someone said, you know what, Tom Green deserves to be fired, I'd be like, yep, you know what, I agree with you. I don't disagree with that. But exactly what you said, Curtis, is kind of what I have in my notes here. Is that what is best for the program right now on May the 18th? Right? Like, I, I don't think that it is. Like, even though we may want him going as a fan base, even though we are our, our AD now may be justified in firing him based on what we've seen, 
practically speaking, I try to be a practical guy and practically speaking, we're just kind of stuck with him right now. Like you said, Kurt, who are we going to get to replace him right now? That's going to be better next year than Tom Crean. Can you think of anything like anyone curse? Like no, we, missed our chance, we missed our chance with young guys like a West Miller and people like that. You missed your chance. Now they've taken the bigger job. So you're pretty much sitting on your hands till next year. When the next young uh, guy, we find out who that is. Yeah. Like that's our shot. And I know you, like well, you and I have talked about this a little bit. We just haven't had a chance to go on the show and talk about it. But I know you are frustrated a little bit with Josh Brooks here. How much culpability do you put on him as a new agent? I do because the warning signs were there, and they were either wanting to save money or giving him the benefit of the doubt. And either way, it really blew up in their face. Because the money saved, you, you just lost the revenue. Like, what fans are going to spend money to come watch next year? I sure as heck have no intention yeah. of wanting to spend money to go and watch a team that bad when you can probably watch it on TV and not waste your money. Yeah, look, I, I get that. Look, I actually kind of like the roster that he's put together with some of these transfers, but my thing is that that's not sustainable. Like, you can't do that every single year. When like, I also this, can't, this year I just also can't support Tom Crean. They won't, what would you say? I just also can't give my support to Tom Crean because right now he's done nothing to deserve it. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I get it. Look, I just – I want Georgia to win. And if Tom Green ends up being that guy, great. But right now, I don't see the signs that it's going to be. Again, like I said, I think we might – I think you can argue we actually have a better roster this year, especially if we land Trey Mitchell from UMass, who is a big man who averaged almost 19 points a game, seven boards last year. He's transferring out. Jeff Goodman, who covers college basketball, right now has us as the leader there. If we land a guy like that, I think if you look at the other pieces that we've added – I think our roster could – now, we need to get a point guard, right? So, and it looks like Aaron Cook, the the uh, transfer coming from Gonzaga, who didn't play much last year, but he averaged 50 points a game at Southern Illinois the year before that. If we get a guy like him to come in and play point guard for us, then I think next year our roster might actually be better, and we might actually have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. But my, I go back to this. Is that sustainable, Curtis? Every year having that kind of roster turnover, is that sustainable? No, you cannot expect to continue to put together a team without building some type of young core. Absolutely. And, and like we've seen that last year, he had to go to the transfer portal and get a bunch of guys and some Juco guys. And he basically whipped almost all of those guys, except for maybe Justin Kyer and PJ Horn was fine, I guess. But really, I mean, he was fine. He was up and down, but wasn't a, a game changer for us. Um, so like, this is not a one year thing. Like now having nine guys leaving one year, that's the first time that's happened. That's kind of unprecedented, but we've started to see this more as a trend. Like he's just having to rebuild the roster every year. And I just don't know, how sustainable that is. And look, I, yes, I know that this, gonna, this is kind of becoming the rule around college basketball, but not to this level, not to this degree. So I guess what I'll go back to is what I was saying there is like, yeah, I think he probably deserves to be fired, but I don't think it's probably best for our program at this point to, to fire him. I, I don't think it's smart to let our anger and frustration, our justifiable anger and frustration with what he has done to our program cloud what is in the best interest of next year's team? I don't know if it can be a tournament team. I do think the roster is is upgrade. I, I think you can at least I would make that argument, and you can argue against that. That's fine, but I think there's an argument to be made that yeah, this can be an upgraded roster from what we saw last year. But final thing I'll say here, Curtis, I'm gonna see if you agree with me. I mean, it's NCAA tournament or bust next year, right? A hundred percent. Like I I don't care. Like okay, so we won you know, what was it? Two conference games and then or three and then five and then seven. I don't care if like, if we win eight or nine conference games, we miss the tournament. I don't want to hear, Oh, well that's, that's improvement. It's progress. We won two more conference games than one last year. I don't want to hear that. No more excuses. No more. Well, we made progress. No, no, no. That's like, that's in year two or three. By this point, we should be making insulate tournaments. And I, I just, I don't know if that's going to happen. I hope to, I, I look out and look, if he's our coach next year, which I think he's going to be, I'm still going to root for the team. And I know it's hard for you to root for Tom Crean, I understand that because I, I get what you're saying here, but essentially 
it's the idea that if you made the tournament this year, is that that's not really an indicator of what's going to happen in the future, right? No, and you don't want to give the support for someone who can't build it long term. And then, you know, like right. how it always felt like, uh, you know, coaches in the past where they do that one thing and it gets them another contract and you're like, great. You mean like Dennis Felton who happened to win the Miracle SEC Championship? Exactly. The that that deal? It, yeah, and, then, it, and that gets that saves his job because he was going to get fired that year and that saves his job and that just sets your, program, your basketball program back another year like that. Like, exactly. yeah, you don't want the, the one flying the pan year and give him a contract extension. And then now you're stuck with this guy for even longer. I, 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 I completely Jeff understand Beck, that. You saw that all the time with him. Yeah. Yo, you're right, man. You're right. I totally get that. So it's not a great situation. I mean, in fact, it's it's a terrible situation. Um, and one thing, I, 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 before we move on, I'm going to go back to Josh Brooks real quick. I know you're, you bl- you give him a little bit more blame for this than I do. I, I would like, look, you're Josh Brooks. He just got in. You don't want to like you don't want to come in immediately and replace a coach right away. I know that's technically your job, but if you can avoid that, you don't want to do that right away. Plus, I don't like when it was time to make that decision. He didn't have all the information that we have now that we were gonna have all of these guys transfer out. He had no way to know that, so it's kind of hard to predict that's gonna happen back in March when you know that decision has to be made. And now it's happened. It's here in the middle of May, and it's kind of his hands are kind of tied at this point. So I would kind of defend him there. But I understand what you're saying. Like, ultimately, the buck stops with the AD, and he's the one that's got to make that decision. I do get that. Yeah, too. like you wanted the job. You bet you're going to take also the pressures that come with it. No, I, I, I do understand that. That makes sense. But- you're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, let's go ahead and move on. We're crunch for time here. A couple more questions we want to get to today. And uh, we're going to go to our, our guy, Cliff. Cliff had a couple of good questions today about some recent additions to the team. And we're going to start with a guy. Now, we've known he's been committed for about a month or so now, a month and a half or so at this point. And that, of course, is a transfer cornerback or DB from West Virginia, Tyke Smith. Cliff asks, could you throw in some breakdown of Tyke Smith and what he brings to the table? Could you see him in the star position? His versatility is what excites me about this. So, Kurt, what do you see? What do you expect from Tyke Smith at this point? Um, I do expect you'll see him in the star position. Um, I don't think that they'll come in and replace Chris Smith right away with him, so that's why I see him in the star position. Um, but to me, he's just a he's a ball hawk out there. The fact is, he knows how to go up there and play defense, and not only play defense, but just not give up the big play or give up the pass it or you know get the penalty like where our guys always see uh, for a while it seemed they're giving up a big play or they were going to draw a penalty, especially when you look at someone like Tyson Campbell. Yeah, like Tyke Smith, I, I think he's going to get the first look at the star position. I think right now I would probably pencil him in as the favorite at the star. I know he hasn't really practiced with the team. I get that. I know Latavius Breen has been with the team for a long time. And, and Breen did some really good things, especially in run support 
at the tail end of the last season. So I'm not going to completely write off Latavius Brini. I think Brini will certainly get probably the, the first chance to win that job, which you know he's got it right now. But I think Tyke Smith at this point, if you look at his pedigree, you go back. I watched I watched a little bit of tape on him, try to find some West Virginia games from last year, and he's he's the real deal. He's a really good player. He does a lot of things well. He can fit against the run. He covers well. He can cover those shiftier guys. I was thought five ten two hundred pounds. He's kind of that prototypical size, maybe a slight bit shorter than what you would want at star, but he, he's right there. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick at Alabama a couple of years ago, like he was that prototype star. And uh, for Alabama, he was 6'1", 200 pounds. So, yeah, he's a couple inches shorter than that, but he's right around the, the same stature, 200 pounds. So he can certainly fit against the run. He's got that – in your right, Cliff, he's got that versatility. He can play safety, as you mentioned. I don't think we'll need him as much there, barring injury, but I think he's got the versatility to move there if we need that. But I think Star, it's tough to find body types like that. And sure, Brini, like, yeah, run support's been fine. He, oh, he was fine in coverage. We just haven't seen him that much in those cover situations, and I still have concerns about him there. I've seen Tyke Smith do those things against high-level receivers in the Big 12 when they throw the ball all over the place. So I think, yeah, I would pencil him in right now for me as a guy that's coming and be our starter at that star position. He'll certainly have to earn it. Kirby will not just hand anyone any job. But I, I would put him as the guy right now. And we'll certainly break this down a little bit more later on in the week. We're gonna, uh, Cliff actually had a great point. He uh, and I, once more like in-depth X and O talk about Tyke Smith and that star position and why that's so important. So we're actually our, our scheme theme episode later in the week is going to be about the star position, kind of tracing the history of that and its rise over the years and, and why it's become, in my opinion, one of the top two or three most important positions on the field any given Saturday out there. So we'll talk about that and talk a bit more about Tyke Smith later on this week. But let's go ahead and move on here, Curtis. Cliff's sec- the second part of Qu- Cliff's question was about our most recent addition from the transfer portal. And Cliff asked, what are realistic expectations for Brandon Turnage at Georgia? I think he's more than just a depth piece. And Derek also had a question about this. It was kind of a, a two-person question. Derek says, I know we need a lot of help in the secondary, but should landing a guy that couldn't find his way on the field at Bama really be an answer we should be excited about? Is taking Bama castoffs actually going to help us beat them? So uh, both questions about the same guy, but kind of took it in different directions. Let's start with the first part there, Curtis. What are your realistic expectations for turnage at Georgia next next season? Um, I expect him to come in and play. Um, I like or at least push for it. And the, the idea that you're taking someone who couldn't get in there is a little unfair. When you look at who they have, Josh Job, who and some guys who are already gonna be high draft picks who got in there ahead of him. And they were all competing for one spot. I mean, Sertain had that spot locked down. So yeah. just because he didn't break it right away doesn't mean he wasn't good enough. Right. And he still, like, I know he went through fall, he went through spring practice with him and maybe didn't come out of that as a starter. Maybe that was the impetus behind him transferring. But he still, still had all of fall camp. Even if he wasn't the starter, a lot of times, like, the, the margins between the starter and the backup in this league, special team like Alabama, can be razor thin. You know, like, like, Bama does it, is, a, is a program that doesn't really take players unless they think you can play. And they do a really good job evaluating players, just like we do. And sometimes you have a guy that's the starter and a guy that's the backup. The backup, yeah, he might not be quite as good as the starter, but it's really not that big of a drop-off. You know, like there's an injury to the guy. Like, I would say, like, look, look at Richard LeCount and Chris Smith last year, right? Richard LeCount was a great player for us. I personally don't think we missed that much of a beat when he went down and Chris Smith came in. I really, I thought Chris Smith played really well in relief for Richard LeCount. As the season wore on, I really believe that his and the, the pro football focus grades and numbers back that up. He's one of our highest rated DBs on the team last year. So, like, yeah, was Richard better? Yeah, probably, but I don't think there was that much of a gap between what those two guys were at the table. And that might be the same thing when you're looking at a guy like like Brandon Turner coming from Alabama. So, yeah, like, well, I just I, think I, about Maurice Smith, how good he was for us, and yeah, 
he wasn't the guy there. Yeah, he wasn't going to be the guy until that last year when they really wanted him. But he, had been, he hadn't been the guy ever. That's why he wanted to transfer. But Mo Smith came, you're right, came over as a great example. Kurt. It was a really good player for us in 2016. Like, we probably don't win the Auburn game without Mo Smith in 2016 with that, with that pick six. So, like, and look, like when you're talking about turnage, like, where does he fit? What are expectations? He, he's moved around a little bit in the secondary. He started off at safety. He played cornerback in high school primarily. Started off at safety his first year. Then moved to cornerback last year. Was behind Sertan, as you mentioned. Was working there this spring. And, and look, I know they lay lose Sertan this year, so there's a, that job was open. But you're right. Kurt, like, outside of that, who is Bama really losing the secondary this year? Hard to find. Yeah, not really anyone. So it's hard to find a spot for him to go in and there and earn other than that one spot. And they have a bunch of really talented guys. And uh, so, like, I don't know, like, even if you want to call him a band that cast off, that's fine. If that's what you want to call him, call him that. But we are in a situation right now in the secondary where we need competent bodies back there. And I, this is a guy who's a former top 100-ish recruiting. He's like 107 in the 247 composite, something like that. Like, borderline top 100 prospect that Bammer evaluated and recruited, right? And they, and they took his commitment. He's, at the very least, a competent body. And right now, we need those. We are in desperate need of them. And I think he's a, he's a good pickup, man. I'm absolutely very excited about getting him in here. Do you think he's going to come in and start right away, Curtis? Those I don't know, but I think he's definitely going to push for one of those positions. I mean, realistically, that we're still wide open there. He has experience in the type system we run and been coached by Saban and them. So I think he's very well – he's walking into a wide open position. Yeah, like – I, I don't I, I'm not going to say I'm going to pencil him in as a starter as I I'm not going to go that far as I like I did with Tyke Smith, but I think he has some position versatility, which is one of the things that had to be attractive about him. I think he can play safety, he can play cornerback. The thing that excites me most about him, and I think it will help him, is that he has been working a system that is very similar to ours at Alabama. It's not a carbon copy, but it's similar, right? Kirby laid the foundation. Well, I guess Sam laid the foundation. Kirby built on that, and now Pete Golding's building on that, right? So he's certainly got a foundation to build off of with our system. And the clear most immediate need that we have on, the, on really on the entire team is cornerback. And that's kind of what he traditionally has played. So I think that's where he's going to get his first look. And uh, I imagine there might be some cross-training that happens, especially at safety with, with guys like Major Burns leaving. But as a guy that's a former borderline, top one prospect, I think he absolutely is talented enough to earn a starting spot. The only problem I have, uh, it's not a problem, but I would also say this, the big issue we have at secondary is not so much talent, right? It's more so lack of experience, and he doesn't really fix that. He doesn't really have the experience, any more experience starting or really playing much at all at the SEC level than guys like Keely Ringo or Jalen Kemper or Mere Speed. Really, he just doesn't. But he has talent. And again, he's a competent body that will come in right away and certainly compete and push those guys. So yeah, look, if you got, we've got room. So why not take a guy like this? Absolutely, I think there's a lot of reasons to take him. I like it. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, moving on here. Another quick question about the transfer portal from, from Brent. So now with the commitment of Turnage, Brent asks, are we done with the transfer portal this year after Turnage's commitment? Kerr, are we done? No, I don't even think we're close to being done. I mean, you, you're never done right now the way kids can leave until your roster's full. 
Yeah, I mean, right now we have like one, I think really one spot now with Turner just commitment. But you're right, other guys on our team could certainly leave. There could be more attrition spots could open up, certainly. I'm not, are you yeah, closing the door there in call someone yet? like, um, you know, you mentioned um, in the defensive backfield. Um, wow, why did my mind go blank? Who, who, who's played star to end the season for us? Um, Green. Latavius Brini. Uh, yeah, Latavius Brini. He might be someone looking to transfer, thinking they brought in Tyke Smith. Like, Yeah, they don't trust me. I've been here. I put in my time. I sweat equity, and now you're bringing this guy in and take my job. No, I'm not down with that. Certainly. that Something like that could happen for sure. Um, yeah, are you close? What about Darian Kendrick? Are you are you still looking at him potentially the transfer from Clemson? I'm okay with it as long as the charges get dropped and Kirby trusts him because Kirby has a short leash with these kids. So if he's willing to do it and thinks he can fit in and not be a cancer or something – then I have no reason not to trust Kirby. We're going to have to trust Kirby on that, right? Like he, he made a tough choice when it came down to Zach Evans a couple years ago. You're going to have to trust Kirby on that to do his homework. He made the so we'll heat. You know, kicked out, kicked off Britton Cox. You know, he done, he's made yeah. the hard choices. So, I yeah. mean, until he gives me a reason not to, I'll, I'm going to continue to defer to him when it comes to his what he sees in character. Yeah, he's big on culture, and he's certainly not going to mess with that, especially a team like this where we could potentially make a championship run, potentially. Just don't want to mess up a good thing. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me. Like I don't know who the wide receiver would be right now, but if somebody enters the transfer portal that we think could help us at that wide receiver spot, it would not surprise me to see us take a long look there. We'll have to see. But, yeah, I don't, I'm not closing the door at all. I think it's certainly wide open to us potentially taking some more transfers, maybe one or potentially two more transfers. I don't, think, I don't know how much room we have right now. And our final question before we get out of here, Curtis, is from Jerry. I don't know if you saw this, Curtis. Did you see Arian Smith over the weekend running uh, at the track meet? Yes, I did see SCC that. meet? Oh, my God. Dude, it's insane. So Jerry asked a question. Is Arian Smith not only the fastest player on the Georgia football team this year, but the fastest Georgia football player ever? Ever, Curtis? Um, I don't know if I go ever, especially since we didn't see me, Cole, and people like that out there running track. So I'm not ready to say that. Ne- they never ran a 10-1-8. Well, a and that's the thing. I, I mean, and maybe her. I don't know. I mean, I would probably I say know. fast as ever. It's, it's I, like, who, we don't know all their times. I went yeah. back and looked up Herschel. The fastest I found Herschel was a 10-3 flat in a race that, like with Carl Lewis in the heat. 10-3 flat. So Herschel never got there. Justin Scott Wesley, remember that name back in 2012? Yeah, that name. Uh, yeah, ran a 10 3 9. He was a track guy, ran a 10 3 9. And look, we don't have all the numbers. I looked up Georgia's 100 meter records and like the record books, and that, that's what I saw. Like, Champ, I thought maybe Champ, but I didn't really see anything from Champ in the 100 meters. He was more of a jumper when he, when he did track. I haven't seen any Georgia football player run a 10 1 8. And I, and like, we're going back 100, 100 plus years now, but 10 1 8, as far as I know, that's the fastest 100 meter in Georgia, like for a Georgia football player. And guys, that was his second 100 meter race since high school. And his first race was the day before. It's almost like he just walked off like the street and lined up there, got in the blocks and just took off and ran a freaking 10 one Like, are you kidding me? Like, did he even train that much? I mean, spring practice just ended about a month ago. Like, how much did he even train for this? Good question. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's insane speed. That's stupid speed. Everybody talks about Anthony Schwartz and how fast he was at Auburn, and he did. He actually put better numbers in, in high school. But I think the fast time I found for Anthony Schwartz, I think it was a ten two two thing, or maybe a ten two seven. It's ten two something when he ran in college. All right. So it's, everyone talks about his track speed. Arian Smith is faster than him, and wasn't even really training for this. Well, couldn't have trained for more than a month because he was doing spring football practice. So I think, yeah, you know what? I'm going to say it right now. I think Arian Smith. Yeah, not just the fastest player on the team this year, fastest player in the SEC this year. I'm going with that. And I'm going to say fastest George football player ever. So if somebody else has got some evidence to the contrary, please present it. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, Arian Smith is a weapon. We just got to get that to translate to the field because 
It's tough to find speed like that. It's very, very tough. I mean, I really just can't get over this. He essentially just walked in off the street. Yeah, and I'm sure he's been training and practicing with the track team for a couple of weeks. But a couple of weeks later, you go out there in your first collegiate run, and you he ran what a 10-4 in his first run, that first heat, and then you come back the next day, your second run ever at the college level, and you run a 10-1-8. I mean, he's barely scratching the surface of how fast he can be on the track. And sure, as a wide receiver, he does still have some room to grow. He's still a young receiver, missed a lot of time last year with that injury. But even if a nine route is all this guy can run right now, he is still going to be a serious weapon because defenses will have to account for that kind of speed every single snap. And that obviously will open up for other receivers because the defenses only have so many resources to dedicate to different receivers out there. Somebody doesn't have single coverage if you got to worry about Arius Smith taking the top off of a defense. That kind of speed itself can absolutely dictate coverages and dictate what defenses do. And that's what we need to do. George Pickens had the ability to do that. And I don't know if we have anyone that... that has George Pickens' exact skill set this year. I don't think that we do, but they don't have to have Pickens' exact skill set. As we said a couple of times, we just need to have guys that can dictate coverages in their own way. And speed is the name of the game for Arian Smith, and he he does it as well as anyone out there. So very excited to see what he can do on the field, actually as a healthy receiver, which we haven't really seen for other than a couple of snaps, a handful of snaps at the end of last year. But all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. I apologize for this being an abbreviated episode. Normally, we try to go at least 45 minutes to an hour, if not more than that. But we could only get about 30 minutes today, a little bit of a window to record. We want to at least put something out there. If we got 30 minutes, hey, we'll give you 30 minutes of content. So we want to make sure to do that. But I will be back later on this week, and we'll be talking more about, as I said earlier, the star position. We're going to talk about some adjustments that Kirby Smart has made defensively over the past couple years to help our defense become as dominant as it has been. But we're going to push that back a week because Cliff had a great question. We've had, some more, we've had a couple of people ask questions about Tyke Smith in the star position as well. So we really want to go into more detail with how important that position is and why Tyke Smith might just be the biggest off-season addition for any program in America. So we'll detail that for you guys later on. But thank you for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.